No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Elisha sends a prophet to anoint Jehu to be king of Israel and to strike down the house of Ahab, fulfilling the word of the Lord. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 2 Kings chapter 9 on Simply the Bible. You know, the older I get, the more comfort I receive from the simple fact that God is in control of all things. When I was younger, I used to think that God needed my help to make things work out. But after multiple failures, skinned knees, and bruised ego, I've come to accept the fact that God is sovereign. And the best that I can do is simply to be surrendered to His will. Today, we will see where God chose what many would consider to be an unlikely candidate. Yet this person was the only king of the northern kingdom of Israel whom God anointed to be king. We continue in 2 Kings chapter 9. And Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, Get yourself ready, take this flask of oil in your hand, and go to Ramoth-Gilead. Now, when you arrive at that place, look there for Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshai, and go in and make him rise up from among his associates and take him to an inner room. Then take the flask of oil and pour it on his head and say, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then open the door and flee and do not delay. Now, when Elijah had fled from Jezebel because he was afraid she would kill him and journeyed 40 days to Mount Sinai, the Lord spoke to Elijah and told him to anoint Jehu as king of Israel. But Elijah had never gotten around to actually completing the assignment. Evidently, he delegated it to Elisha. So why did Elijah wait and why did Elisha wait until now? Evidently, it simply wasn't God's time yet. I have found that I can either rush things because I'm uncomfortable with the situation, or I can realize that if I trust the Lord, He really will make all things beautiful in His time. And I find that when I wait on the Lord, He does things so much better than me. So the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramoth-Gilead. And when he arrived, there were the captains of the army sitting And he said, I have a message for you, commander. Jehu said, for which one of us? And he said, for you, commander. Then he rose and went into the house. And he poured the oil on his head and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed you king over the people of the Lord over Israel. You shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master, that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab all the males in Israel, both bond and free. So I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah. The dogs shall eat Jezebel on the plot of ground at Jezreel, and there shall be 
none to bury her. And he opened the door and fled. Now, first off, we see that Jehu was prepared by God for this. It, it was no accident that the Lord chose him. He was a military man and had what it took to actually execute the judgment of God against the house of Ahab and against Jezebel. And the thing is, is that God prepares his vessels in advance. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And knowing that God chose us, knowing that he knows the beginning to the end, should bring us comfort that he who has begun the good work in us will bring it to completion. Paul, the apostle, said in Galatians 1.15, When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. So it is that God calls us through his grace, separates us, reveals Christ to us in his time. But we can rest in the fact that we are chosen of God and his instruments. Now, previously, the word of the Lord had come to the prophet Elijah, saying that he would bring calamity on Ahab and cut off all his descendants. And so now this prophet that Elisha sent tells Jehu that he's going to be the one to fulfill this word of the Lord. Perhaps Ahab and Jezebel had figured that everything was okay and they got away with it. But as Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said, though the mills of God grind slowly, yet they grind exceedingly small. Though with patience he stands waiting, with exactness grinds he all. In the book of Revelation, we see that in the future, the Lord will avenge the blood of his martyrs by pouring out judgment upon the entire earth. Today, when people see innocent blood spilled, they often conclude that either God is dead, he is impotent, or he doesn't care. But the Bible tells us quite the opposite. God is alive, he is omnipotent, and he loves us with an everlasting love. God will avenge the blood of his saints, and he will keep all his promises to judge the earth, but he will do it in his time. Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I, for one, am thankful that God didn't take my life when I was living in sin and living for myself. He waited for me to repent so that I could be saved. Verse 11. Then Jehu came out to the servant of his master, and one said to him, Is all well? Why did this madman come to you? And he said to them, You know the man and his babble. And they said, Oh, why? Tell us now. So he said, Thus and thus he spoke to me, saying, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then each man hastened to take his garment and put it under him on the top of the steps, and they blew trumpets, saying, Jehu is king. Now, it's difficult to know Jehu's motivation in withholding from his men the words of the prophet. Was he being modest? Did he think it best to keep this a secret? Certainly, if he made a move to become king, it would be considered treason. Or did he doubt the prophecy himself? It's hard to say. But Jehu's men must have highly respected their leader, for they were willing to commit treason to follow him. 
So Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshai, conspired against Joram. Now, now Joram had been defending Ramoth Gilead, he and all Israel, against Hazael, king of Syria. But King Joram had returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds which the Syrians had inflicted on him when he fought with Hazael, king of Syria. And Jehu said, If you are so minded, let no one leave or escape from the city to go and tell it in Jezreel. He didn't want any of his men leaving the city and breathing a word of this to the king. So Jehu rode in a chariot and went to Jezreel for Joram was laid up there and Ahaziah, king of Judah, had come down to see Joram. So King Joram, as he was in battle, had been wounded. He went to Jezreel to recover. Ahaziah was related to him by marriage. The king of Judah was related to Joram because Ahaziah's mother was Joram's sister. And so Ahaziah had come to spend time with his uncle who had been wounded. Now, was he in the wrong place at the wrong time? No, this was obviously a setup by the Lord because Ahaziah had brought Baal worship to the nation of Judah. And now, because he had made an unholy alliance with the house of Ahab, he would now receive the same judgment as the house of Ahab. Now, a watchman stood on the tower in Jezreel, and he saw the company of Jehu as he came and said, I see a company of men. And Joram said, get a horseman and send him to meet them and let him say, is it peace? So the horseman went to meet him and said, thus says the king, is it peace? And Jehu said, what have you to do with peace? Turn around and follow me. Interesting question. What do you have to do with peace? Jehu knew that there could be no peace for Joram was a wicked king. Isaiah 48.22 says, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. So the watchman reported, saying, The messenger went to them, but is not coming back. Then he sent out a second horseman who came to them and said, Thus says the king, Is it peace? Are you coming in peace, in other words? And Jehu answered, What have you to do with peace? Turn around and follow me. So the watchman reported, saying, He went up to them and is not coming back. And the driving is like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nimshai, for he drives furiously, sort of like the drivers in Italy. I was there last summer, and let me tell you, they drive furiously. But both of these messengers just were stopped in their tracks and followed Jehu at that point. Then Joram said, make ready, and his chariot was made ready. Then Joram, king of Israel, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, went out each in his chariot, and they went out to meet Jehu and met him on the property of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Now, Naboth, as you'll recall, had owned a vineyard and Ahab wanted that vineyard and Naboth wouldn't sell it to him. And so Ahab whined about it to Jezebel and she said, I'll get that vineyard for you. And she had scoundrels falsely accuse him. And so they executed Naboth. And then Jezebel gave his vineyard to her husband, Ahab. But he was murdered. Now it happened when Joram saw Jehu that he said, Is it peace, Jehu? So he answered, What peace as long as the harlotries of your mother Jezebel and her witchcraft are so many? Then Joram turned around and fled and said to Ahaziah, Treachery, Ahaziah. There could be no peace because 
There was this woman, Jezebel, and her spiritual harlotry. She had led the entire nation into the worship of Baal, which God considered to be spiritual adultery. And Joram cried out treachery, but really, who had been treacherous? They had been treacherous against the Lord, and now they were receiving treachery at the hand of Jehu. Now, Jehu drew his bow with full strength and shot Jehoram, another name for Joram, between his arms. And the arrow came out at his heart, and he sank down in his chariot. Then Jehu said to Bidkar, his captain, pick him up and throw him into the tract of the field of Naboth, the Jezreelite. For remember, when you and I were riding together behind Ahab, his father, that the Lord laid this burden upon him. Surely I saw yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his son, says the Lord, and I will repay you in this plot, says the Lord. Interesting, Jehu was actually with Ahab. He and his captain, Bidkar, were with Ahab when Elijah came out and gave this prophecy that God was going to bring judgment upon the house of Ahab. And now Jehu is the one to execute that judgment. Now, therefore, take and throw him on the plot of ground according to the word of the Lord. God was slow to bring judgment, but he did bring the judgment that he said he would bring. And God always will. He is sovereign. He's in control. We can trust in him. We can trust in him with all of our heart and we can wait for him. For every word he has spoken, he will surely bring to pass in his time and in his way. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow we'll see where Jehu makes war against the house of Ahab and King Ahaziah of Judah, thus fulfilling the word of the Lord spoken through Elijah the prophet. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 2 Kings on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible